From high atop Rocky Road in Moab, Utah, it's KZMU News. I'm Molly Marcello. This is your news for Tuesday, January 18th. A report on Moab Police Department's response to a domestic abuse incident between Gabby Petito and Brian Laundrie was released last week. That investigation found officers made, quote, several unintentional mistakes and should have cited Petito. She was later found deceased in Wyoming after a search that captivated the country. Many wondered if the tragedy could have been prevented here in Moab. Justin Higginbottom reports on the investigation and speaks with an expert in domestic violence. Moab City officers pulled over the couple's van in August after a bystander called 911 and reported Laundry hitting Petito. But when questioned, Petito said she had hit Laundry first, and so police determined she was the primary aggressor. Okay, turn your engine. Go ahead and set your keys on the dash for me, all right? What's you guys' names? Gabby. I'm Brian. Gabby, Brian, okay. What's going on? How come you're crying? I'm just crying. We've just been fighting this morning. Some personal issues. That's body cam footage of the stop. Officers didn't cite Petito and separated the couple for the night. Sonia Solari is a family violence researcher at the University of Utah, and she's on the board of the Utah Domestic Violence Coalition. I agree with the police for not arresting Gabby, but I do believe that Brian Laundrie should have been arrested. And there are a number of things that happened during the police stop that indicate that to me. When police respond to a domestic abuse call involving bi-directional violence, they try to find the primary aggressor. Solari says this is important because if they arrest both parties, the victim may not call the police in the future. She says there were red flags showing laundry as the primary aggressor. Number one, people had called and said that they saw him hitting her. There were some eyewitness accounts to that. And then secondly, he had locked her out of her car. My understanding is it it is her car. And so that is a power and control move right there. And then also he took her keys and her phone. Those are ways of controlling a person that are very serious. In fact, they can be considered an isolation attempt to keep her from calling for help. There were scratches on laundry and police saw this as evidence for Petito being the aggressor. But Solari says it should have hinted at the opposite. There's some research by a colleague of mine, Heather Melton and and Joanne Belknap. They studied a number of police reports of bidirectional violence. And they found out that when women are acting in self-defense, they will use scratches as their only weapon that they have. The problem with it is it's very visible. Solari also notes that Laundrie lied to police about having a phone, another major red flag. I'm arguing that there are a number of things that indicate to me that Brian Laundrie was an intimate terrorist. Intimate terrorists are more severe types of abusers who cut down the self-esteem of the victim. They isolate the victim. The report by the Price City Police Department recommends additional training for Moab police and a review of policies around incident reports. For example, a statement was never obtained from the original 911 caller. Officers should also implement a lethality assessment protocol in all future cases.
The Price City Police Captain writes that it's an impossible question whether Petito would be alive today if the case were handled differently. You know, this is a difficult job. One of the things that I'm really quite concerned about with regard to the Moab situation is that the police seem to be quite understaffed. In a statement on the investigation, the city of Moab says they believe officers showed kindness, respect, and empathy. Plans are in place to add a domestic violence specialist to oversee all future cases. Justin Higginbottom for KZMU News. If you need support, Seek Haven Family Crisis and Resource Center has a 24-hour crisis line. That number is 435-259-2229. In other police news, acting Moab City Police Chief Braden Palmer is looking to make equipment upgrades for the department. He's asking the city council to approve new tasers and new tech for their body-worn cameras. Ultimately, it's a bundled solution that meets our needs. The Axon Officer Safety Plan is estimated to cost Moab City $75,000 per year. Axon is a company that develops technology and weapons specifically for law enforcement and the military. That $75,000 annual price point could vary because the cost is estimated per officer. It's subscription-based per officer, so I believe it equates to roughly like $250, $260 monthly per officer. At the number that we have proposed, we would be covered if we were full-staffed. The police department is considering these upgrades after facing public scrutiny. A recent Weber County Sheriff's Office report found two Moab officers failed to properly use their body cameras during a 2021 incident. 7th District Court Judge Don Torgerson admonished the police department during a hearing on this case last year. My experience with Moab PD is long and varied. And they do, there has been a history there with some officers who have quite a reputation of misusing their body camera equipment. And it's been an institutional problem. Judge Torgerson called the misuse of body cameras detrimental to a fair process. He warned Moab City prosecutors that future cases might be hurt if body camera issues continue to pop up in his courtroom. From my perspective, officers need to check their body cameras the same way they would check their firearms or their tasers. In modern policing, interactions with defendants uh, require that kind of care on behalf of officers. And so if I do see these kinds of issues in the future where body cameras have been turned on and turned off and not charged and not activated, there's likely to be some traction gained in my court for spoliation motions just because I think Moab PD has a history that lacks quality oversight. Under Utah code, a recorder should be activated in all enforcement and investigative contacts. However, officers do have discretion to turn their cameras off or mute their audio in some sensitive situations. Under this new tech program, body cameras could be automatically activated when a patrol vehicle's lights come on or when that vehicle reaches a certain speed. Officers' cameras would also automatically turn on when a firearm is drawn and their supervisor would be alerted. If one of my officers draws their firearm, I get a text message of their location um, and the ability to click on the link and live stream their camera. So we actually have the ability, if we have a critical incident for a supervisor to then access officers' cameras in real time while they are on scene uh, to ultimately monitor what's happening and make uh, operational decisions. Current body-worn cameras have several different settings to indicate it's turned on and recording. 
that includes blinking, beeping, and vibrating. But Acting Chief Palmer told city council members last year, quote, human error is still a factor. Human error is a, is a major factor in body-worn cameras. You know, that's, our police officers are human, and that does, that does occur. The contract for police department equipment and tech upgrades will be presented to the city council for final approval. The new year has brought snow to the Mountain West, pushing snowpack totals above average across most of the region. Alex Hager with our partners at KUNC has more. Snow is especially piling up where it matters, in the mountains of western Colorado and Wyoming. When that snow melts in the spring, it turns into water that supplies much of the Colorado River Basin. But because dry conditions have lingered for a long time, all that snow hasn't been enough to erase months of drought, which is particularly severe in portions of Utah, Nevada, and New Mexico. The weeks ahead aren't likely to bring much relief, with 10-day forecasts showing warm and dry conditions for much of the region. I'm Alex Hager. And that's the KZMU News for Tuesday, January 18th. Get your community-powered journalism Monday through Friday at noon and 7. You can also find KZMU News anytime online at kzmu.org or wherever you listen to podcasts.